as always, we're going to do Lexio Divina. I'm going to read the text one time. Then we'll have a time of silence to meditate on the text. And then we will, I'll read it again. And then we'll have a chance to say a word or phrase that stuck out to us without elaborating. So with that, we'll pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, approached, rolled back the stone, and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. The guards were shaken with fear of him and became like dead men. Then the angel said to the women in reply, Do not be afraid. I know that you are seeking Jesus, the crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples, He has been raised from the dead and he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Then they went away quickly from the tomb, fearful yet overjoyed, and ran to announce this to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them on their way and greeted them. They approached, embraced his feet, and did him homage. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. You may now want to pause this audio recording for a time of silent reflection. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, approached, rolled back the stone, and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. The guards were shaken with fear of him and became like dead men. Then the angel said to the women in reply, Do not be afraid. I know that you are seeking Jesus, the crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has been raised from the dead, and he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Then they went away quickly from the tomb, fearful yet overjoyed, and ran to announce this to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them on their way and greeted them. They approached, embraced his feet, and did him homage. Then, then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. You may now want to pause this audio recording in order to pick a word or phrase to ponder. Well, thank you all for sharing your reflections. Um, I'm going to close in a special prayer, and then we'll jump into the talk for today to continue to reflect on <coughs> resurrection and meeting Jesus in Galilee. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Jesus, help us to spread your fragrance, fragrance everywhere we go. 
Flood our souls with your spirit and life. Penetrate and possess our whole being so utterly that all of our lives may only be a radiance of yours. Shine through us and be so in us that every soul we come in contact with may feel your presence in our souls. Let them look up and see no longer us, but only Jesus. Stay with us, and then we shall begin to shine as you shine, so as to shine as to be a light to others. The light, O oh Jesus, will be all from you. None of it will be ours. It will be you shining on others through us. Let us praise you in the way you love best, by shining on those around us. Let us preach you without preaching, not by words, but by our example, by the catching force, the sympathetic influence of what we do, the evident fullness of the love our hearts bear to you. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we're going to start out talking a little bit more about Galilee today. I love the image of Galilee as this place of home. And I got to go visit the Sea of Galilee in 2014, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But I wanted to read to you the reflection of Pope Francis about Galilee and the resurrection that he wrote for the Easter Vigil in 2014. And here's what he has to say. After the death of the master, the disciples had scattered. Their faith had been utterly shaken. Everything seemed over. All their certainties had crumbled, their hopes had died. But now that message of the women, incredible as it was, came to them like a ray of light in the darkness. The news spread, Jesus is risen as he said. And then there was his command to go to Galilee. The women heard it twice first from the angel, and then from Jesus himself. Let them go to Galilee. There they will see me. Galilee is the place where they were first called, where everything began. To return there, to return to the place where they were originally called, Jesus had walked along the shores of the lake as the fishermen were casting their nets. He had called them, and they left everything and followed him. To return to Galilee means to reread everything on the basis of the cross and its victory. To reread everything. Jesus' preaching, his miracles, the new community, the excitement and the defections, even the betrayal. To reread everything starting from the end, which is a new beginning from this supreme act of love. For each of us too, there is a Galilee at the origin of our journey with Jesus. To go to Galilee means something beautiful. It means rediscovering our baptism as a living fountainhead, drawing new energy from the sources of our faith and our Christian experience. To return to Galilee means above all to return to that blazing light with which God's grace touched me at the start of the journey. From that flame, I can light a fire for today and every day and bring heat and light to my brothers and sisters. That flame ignites a humble joy, a joy which sorrow and distress cannot dismay, a good, gentle joy. In the life of every Christian, after baptism, there is also a more existential Galilee, the experience of a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, who has called me to follow him and to share in his mission, 
In this sense, returning to Galilee means treasuring in my heart the living memory of that call. When Jesus passed my way, gazed at me with mercy, and asked me to follow him. To return there means reviving the memory of that moment when his eyes met mine, the moment when he made me realize that he loved me. The gospel is very clear. We need to go back there to see Jesus risen and to become witnesses of his resurrection. This is not to go back in time. It's not a kind of nostalgia. It is returning to our first love in order to receive the fire which Jesus has kindled in the world and to bring that fire to all people to the very ends of the earth. This is one of my all-time favorite passages and I return to it often and it actually sparked a motto for me which I'll talk about in a little bit. But part of the reason this idea of returning to Galilee is so important to me is that it has a personal connection with a very uh, deep moment of conversion in my life and also a moment that was one of the most difficult moments of my life, but also from it came the most joy. So that line from the gospel once again, do not be afraid, go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me. This line caught my attention when I needed it most. Uh, there was a period of several months where I was just experiencing a lot of dryness, a lot of lack of good emotions, and I just kept praying, Lord, let me see. And what in part uh, struck my desire to pray, Lord, let me see, was uh, the blind man that we hear about at the beginning of Lent who begs to see and Jesus restores his sight. So I wanted to pray like this blind man, Lord, I know you're with me in this dark moment, but I don't know where and I don't see you, so help me. Uh, I'd never been, or I had been taught not to make big life decisions when you're in periods of dryness and desolation. And so, although I knew I needed to make a decision about what to do, um, I didn't, it wasn't the right time to make the decision because I didn't have peace either way. So praying, Lord, let me see, was a way of praying, Lord, let me have more light in my life. Let me see you so that I can then make a decision about what I'm supposed to do. So I doubled down on my prayers, remembering the words of John Paul II and one of my favorite saints, to be not afraid. And I would often look at my confirmation picture reminding me that despite being unable to feel or see the Holy Spirit working in my life, he was within me. This is really important. Some of you might right now feel God's presence really close to you, or some of you might feel really dry. But like me, it's not the time if you feel dry to make big decisions or to just say, I can't take it anymore. I'm going to go out even though I'm not supposed to. Uh, it's the time to wait and to pray. Lord, let me see. And like John Paul II said, to be not afraid. Uh, in addition to thinking about the fact that the Holy Spirit was in me through my confirmation, I knew this, and thinking about John Paul II saying, be not afraid, I also united my suffering to Jesus at the cross. And I remember on Good Friday of that year, after praying for months, I still didn't have an answer. And I found myself crying, thinking, Lord, help me, like, help me give this 
to get out of this place of darkness, to see, to see you and to see your will. So I um, prayed, Lord, I need you to do something this weekend, because if not, I just, I feel like I can't take this anymore. Uh, and that Easter Sunday, I heard these words. Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. And I knew I had my answer. I heard John Paul II's words echoed in the words of Jesus, do not be afraid. I heard the words go to Galilee, and I knew Pope Francis's reflection. It was the year he, a couple years after he came out with it, um, go to Galilee, that place of first encounter. And I knew what that was for me. And I knew that it was only once I went to Galilee that there I will see him. And what was my prayer all Lent for many months? Lord, let me see you. And if I stayed where I was, I wasn't going to see Jesus. But if I returned to Galilee without fear, I would see him. And that, it wouldn't be something sad, but something of great joy. And alleluia. Now, Galilee can be a physical place. In part, it was for me. Uh, I knew I was supposed to go back home and try something different. So I returned to the Diocese of Duluth and got to meet with my bishop, uh, Bishop Serba. And he, at the end of our meeting, his, his office looks, overlooks beautiful Lake Superior with its blue water. And uh, that day, it was a particularly calm and gorgeous day. And at the end of our meeting, he just leaned back on his chair and he gestured to the lake and said, well, how's Galilee? And I knew I knew I'd made the right decision with the blessing of my bishop. However, Galilee isn't always a physical place. As Pope Francis said, it's that place of encounter with Jesus. So that, that can be somewhere physical, like maybe St. Vincent de Paul is a place of encounter with Jesus, but it could also be a spiritual moment, a memory in your mind where you can recall Jesus coming to you and bringing joy to your life. Now, literally speaking, we'll return to that in a moment, but literally speaking, I want to say that if I could sp spend a day anywhere in the world, I would go to the Mount of Be the Beatitudes by the Sea of Galilee. And I'm going to show you a picture. Okay, this is the Sea of Galilee. Often we think of it as a type of desert, uh, but it's not. It's, it's beautiful. It's very green. It actually kind of reminds me a little bit of Lake Superior, the color of it. Uh, and I got to spend a day praying on the Mount of Beatitudes, where the Sea of Galilee is. And when I was praying on the Mount of Beatitudes, I imagined myself sitting on the grass with Jesus and his arm around me, not saying anything, but simply being him uh, as either my father to a daughter, a spouse to his bride, or a dear friend, an intimate dear friend um, to the other friend. And I encourage you, uh, you can either take this image or find your own Galilee image but to spend time just sitting with Jesus, thanking him for his resurrection, allowing him to restore joy in your life, and taking a moment to recall the blessings he's given to you. Uh, I believe it was St. Ignatius of Loyola who talked about holy remembering. That's when you 
recall to mind the graces of the past so as to make those graces present to you once again. And it, like Pope Francis said, it's not nostalgia. It's not just, um, you know, we generally we want to stay focused in the present. But this type of remembering of the past is not fruitless nostalgia. It's allowing yourself to tap into those graces so that in a moment of dryness, in a desert moment, you can say, once again, I know this to be true. I know God is with me and I know he has blessed my life. Galilee is a symbol for home. Again, not necessarily like a physical place, but uh, a spiritual encounter with God. It's a symbol of security and a symbol of love. And for that reason, I developed the motto, Everyday Galilee. Everyday Galilee is a promise and a reminder to return to the place of blessed encounter with Jesus, to recall his goodness to me, whether in my mind or by being in his presence, somewhere where I find myself encountering Jesus. And to, no matter his will for me for the day, no matter whether I feel like I'm in the desert, no matter if I feel like I'm lonely or perhaps abandoned, whether I'm stressed or scared, I can return to these spiritual moments in my mind and in the practice of holy remembering, say, Jesus, I know you are with me. Uh, you love me and I'm home with you in Galilee and my Galilee, where you've chosen to encounter me. So right now with the stay at home order, uh, you may feel like your home is not really the place you want to be anymore. I know someone who just, um, can't stand it so much that she like goes out on drives four times a day uh even if she's not going anywhere just because she doesn't she wants to escape her home uh, but i encourage you to let's let's look at our homes a little differently just like galilee is a symbol of home and security we can take a second look at our home to be in our home in a different way so that it feels less like a desert or a place of entrapment and more like, like a Galilee, like a place of love and security. To, so I encourage you today to look around with fresh eyes, to see the reminders of the, your encounters with God through the images you have in your house, through maybe a statue that you bought on a pilgrimage or uh, photos of your kids' baptisms or their weddings. These when you look around to see these memories, these moments of blessing, maybe to look at your kitchen table and not be sad that no one's around it, but to remember a time of blessing when you had a conversation at that table that brought you closer to God. Or to look at your couch and think, not only is this the place where I have fun and relaxed, but now this is the, the room and maybe the seat where I get to encounter God every Sunday for virtual mass, uh, to see every little thing as an opportunity for encounter with God. So this is a way that we can go to Galilee spiritually. So we cannot perhaps physically go to the Galilees in our lives right now. Pope Francis says that to go to Galilee means something beautiful. It means rediscovering rediscovering our baptism as a living fountainhead, drawing new energy from the sources of our faith and our Christian experience. 
To go to Galilee, spiritually speaking, is first of all to recall the graces that we've been received, like I mentioned, but then also to act upon them. To Because if you don't act upon them, then it can just be like nostalgia. But once you act upon those graces and allow them to fill your spirit, then that's when it becomes a fruitful practice. Pope Francis says that when we do this, it gives us a type of courage, which he compares to a blazing light. He says to return to Galilee means to, above all, return to that blazing light with which God's grace touched me at the start of the journey. From that flame, I can light a fire for today and every day and bring heat and light to my brothers and sisters, which of course reminds me of Pentecost. We don't want to be like the disciples, just cowering in the upper room, but to be present in our rooms in a different way, to be present in a way that is courageous, a way that reflects mission. Not that you're simply uh, staying home in a begrudging sort of way, but that you are recognizing that this is your call and God has called you to grow in holiness through staying home right now or through an essential job. We need to hold on to joy and adversity no matter what. Like I said the first week, nothing is worth our joy and our peace. No trial, no adversity. We must always hold on to our peace and our joy. And holy remembering of our Galilees will allow us to do this. As Pope John Paul II said, we are an Easter people and Alleluia is our song. It still is today. And um, you can shout or sing Easter songs at the top of your lungs and hey, no one's there to judge you. Except for maybe my dog today. <laughs> I also love how Pope Francis talks about our return to Galilee as a treasuring in my heart. To treasure in our hearts the living memory of our call from God to remember when Jesus passed my way, he gazed at my heart, at me with mercy, and asked me to follow him. You've been called by God, and his call remains with you still. Our lives are not on pause. I was kind of sad last night, and this was in good heart, um, but I was, I was reading a, a Facebook post about how young um, pregnant women have just lost all possibility of good memories during this time and so pray for them because memories have been taken from them and i thought well in one in one instance that's kind of nice um, to pray for pregnant mothers but don't pray for them because memories have been lost this is an opportunity for different memories to be made and that's that's a much better way to look at things. It's not that we've just lost months of our lives. It's that we've been given the opportunity to live in our world with Jesus in a way we never have before. And this way is hard, but Jesus never, Jesus never said being a saint is something that's comfortable. Um, you can look, you will not find a patron saint of being comfortable. You will not find a saint who became a saint by being comfortable. Sainthood comes from sacrifice and it comes from hard work. And that's something to rejoice in that we've been given this opportunity to sacrifice for Jesus, for each other, for those who are especially vulnerable during this time so that we can then grow in holiness ourselves. And this isn't self-seeking, but it's the most selfless thing in the world 
For what does the world need more than people who are saints? So even if you feel lonely and you feel like you're in a desert right now, take heart because Jesus truly is with you. Uh, I like to remember the story of the man who found a treasure buried in a, in a field. It, it compares the kingdom of God to this treasure that the man then uh, joyfully sold everything he had to gain this treasure. But I also like to think of this as us being the treasure in the field, that Jesus found us in the field, in this desert field, and then seemingly left us. It can be kind of scary, but why did he leave? Because last weekend he sold everything he had to gain us. 2000 years ago, he sold everything he had to gain us. And sometimes when we feel like we've been found and then just abandoned, it's not true. We, we haven't seen the full picture. Jesus is selling everything he has to gain us. And we, that treasure in the field, need only to wait to be able to see him once again. But unlike the story of the treasure in the field, it's not that Jesus physically leaves us as the, the man in this parable did, had to, to sell everything. He's still nearer to us than we are to ourselves. But sometimes he withdraws his presence, his, our sense of his presence. He's still there, but he, sometimes he withdraws the sense of his presence, allows us to be in a moment of loneliness so that we then may grow to love God more than we love the consolation of God. In hard desert moments, as I mentioned at the beginning, it's never a good time to make decisions about what we're going to do or even about our beliefs. Desert moments are times of temptation, like when Jesus was in the desert for 40 days. The devil tried to tempt Jesus from recognizing his own identity and his own power as the Son of God, and he'll try to to tempt you too. He may even try to tempt you to doubt the existence of God. How could such a dark time happen if God is real? But these hard moments aren't the time to change our mind about what we believe. Instead, as a good friend of mine said, these are the moments to say, I know this to be true. Now, what is this, this? It could be that perhaps God is good. I know this to be true, that God is good. It could be his mercy, his ability to overcome all evil. It could be even, as I mentioned, perhaps his very existence. So in moments of doubt, in moments when you wonder, is this pandemic ever going to end? God, are you hearing my prayers? You can say to yourself, I know this to be true. So with these tools, especially with not being able to receive sacraments as readily, you'll be able to weather desert moments more effectively. And these tools are first, that holy remembering of going back to your Galilee, that spiritual encounter, and also to say to yourself, I know this to be true. Finally, to then cry out to God with, for his mercy and in moments of uncertainty to say, Lord, let me see. So I we're all in different spiritual spots right now, and it's not good to compare ourselves to others. Some of you, God might be flooding with consolation and letting you see now as a Galilee. If I've been speaking and you think to yourself, well, I don't have a Galilee moment. Maybe that's because that moment is right now. Maybe God wants this to be the moment of encounter that changes your life forever. 
maybe God is giving you a flood of consolation because he knows it's what's best for your soul. Or maybe he's making it seem like you're lonely and in the desert so that you then can lean more heavily on him. No matter what, you can be sure that the, what God is working spiritually in your life is what's best for you at this moment and what will most likely make you a saint. So as I said last week, we never despair. We always hope and we know that eventually the rain will come, the desert will end. Just like training for a marathon, training for heaven can hurt sometimes, but it's better to do it now than later. I'd much rather suffer a little bit now than end up in purgatory longer. Now, um, perhaps this pandemic, now I was thinking about this the other day. Now, of course, God didn't will this pandemic to happen, but what if he's using it as an answer to your prayers? Think to yourself, have you ever prayed to be less busy? Have you ever felt overwhelmed and prayed to be less busy? Or have you ever wished that you had more time to reach out to different friends and prayed that God would help you reconnect? Have you ever prayed for more unity of heart in the world? Been just really fed up with the amount of disunity and prayed for more unity? Have you ever prayed for the opportunity to develop a deeper relationship with God, but find yourself distracted by other things that don't allow that to actually take place? Chances are you probably prayed one of these prayers, and I know I have, but have you ever thought God might be answering them right now? He could be. We have to be careful what we pray for. Again, not that God said he was going to bring a pandemic to answer your prayers, but that God brings the maximum amount of good out of evil that he can possibly do. And so you can bet that if you look back and say to yourself, well, what have I been praying for? That God might be answering your prayer within this time. It's the Easter season. We just finished the holiest week of the year and we're still, we're on day two of the Easter octave. We celebrate today just like it's another Easter. We celebrate uh, until next Sunday as if every day is as high a solemnity as Easter Sunday itself. So you can bet that if you tap into grace, God will answer your prayers. He will work great things in your life this week and this Easter season. So during our discussion today, just to give you a heads up, we're going to reflect on ways that we have seen God working in our own lives during this pandemic. Then we will discuss ways that we have seen God working in the lives of others. And I really challenge you in this. I don't want you to immediately jump to examples from other people, but to first of all reflect, how is God working in my life? And we're, I'm gonna have two different questions. So I want you first of all to reflect on God working in your life and then God working in the life of others. It's easy to look out there and see good happening. Sometimes it's harder to be more vulnerable realizing what good is happening in our own lives. So to start out and give you some time to think, I'm gonna share mine first. One way that I've seen God working in my own life is that um, my husband and I are both home all the time. And most of the time our lives are kind of chaotic and it's hard to meal plan. Um, but we've developed a sense of rhythm in our lives and I'm cooking more than ever before. Uh, and it's nice to have 
uh, greater sense of schedule than we usually do. I feel healthier because we're actually cooking at home all the time. Uh, and I'm enjoying the opportunity to develop that habit so that maybe when things get a little crazier again, we might uh, have more time to cook and meal plan at home. As for God working in the lives of others, uh, yesterday my family jumped on a Zoom call altogether. I have seven or six siblings and I cannot remember the last time all seven of us were on one call. One lives in Indiana um, and we're not, um, well, we'll say we're not the ideal I have the idea of like the big United Catholic family. So it's, there's usually a lot of fighting. Um, but last night we had a three hour Zoom call with six of them and plus my parents and a few of my nephews. And we just had fun together, enjoyed talking, played games and had absolutely no tension. Uh, so that was very unusual and a way that I saw God working in the lives of my family to bring healing uh, and to bring us together in a way that I know would not have happened if we had been invited to um, just go to my parents for, for Easter. Because like I mentioned, we live distances apart and it probably just would not have happened. So with that, we're gonna jump into discussion. Um, and before we begin, does anyone have any questions? Okay, so we're gonna close in prayer pretty quick. I'll give you time to do intentions. Uh, and I wanted to let you know that the follow-up email will have the recording from either this afternoon or this evening. I will also include the text of Pope Francis's Easter Vigil homily from 2014 that I read today. I just read an excerpt, I'll give you the whole text. text. And then I'm also going to send you a song you may be familiar with called Lord When You Came to the Seashore. When I think about the actual Sea of Galilee uh, and the picture I showed you today, this is the song that accompanies that in my mind. So I wanted to give you a little music to reflect with. Uh, and actually just a couple weeks ago, I pulled up an image of the Sea of Galilee and played that song and used it as a time of prayer. And I give that to you as well as a way to continue to celebrate and pray for Easter. So any last questions before we begin prayer? Okay, as promised, I'm going to do the litany of supplication this week. So I'm going to share my screen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, thank you for the gift of Easter. Thank you for the ability to say Alleluia and rejoice in your resurrection. Before we end in this litany, um, we'd like to offer you intentions at this moment. Jesus, we lift all these prayers to you, as well as those that remain in the silence of our hearts. Please grant them, and may the special graces of Easter bring joy and peace to our hearts, and for all those whom we love and pray for. And we pray together this litany. Uh, please keep yourself muted except Marianne, um, and she'll respond out loud for us, and you can respond at home. True God and true man, truly present in this holy sacrament, 
We adore you, O Lord. Our Savior, God with us, faithful and rich in mercy. We adore you, O Lord. King and Lord of creation and of history. We adore you, O Lord. Conqueror of sin and death. We adore you, O Lord. Friend of humankind, the risen one, the living one who sits at the right hand of the Father. We adore you, O Lord. Only begotten Son of the Father, descended from heaven for our salvation. We believe in you, O Lord. Heavenly Physician, who bows down over our misery. We believe in you, O Lord. Lamb who was slain, who offer yourself to rescue us from evil. We believe in you, O Lord. Good Shepherd, who give your life for the flock which you love. We believe in you, O Lord. Living bread and medicine for immortality, who gives us eternal life. We believe in you, O Lord. From the power of Satan and the seductions of the world. Deliver us, O Lord. From the pride and presumption of being able to do anything without you. Deliver us, O Lord. From the deceptions of fear and anxiety. Deliver us, O Lord. From unbelief and desperation. Deliver us, O Lord. From hardness of heart and the incapacity to love. Deliver us, O Lord. From every evil that afflicts humanity. Save us, O Lord. From hunger, from famine, and from egoism. Save us, O Lord. From illnesses, epidemics, and the fear of our brothers and sisters. Save us, O Lord. From devastating madness, from ruthless interests, and from violence. Save us, O Lord. From being deceived, from false information, and from the manipulation of consciences. Save us, O Lord. Protect your church which crosses the desert. Comfort us, O Lord. Protect humanity, terrified by fear and anguish. Comfort us, O Lord. Protect the sick and the dying, oppressed by loneliness. Comfort us, O Lord. Protect doctors and healthcare providers, exhausted by the difficulties they are facing. Comfort us, O Lord. Protect politicians and decision makers, who bear the weight of having to make decisions. Comfort us, O Lord. In the hour of trial and from confusion. Grant us your spirit, O Lord. In temptation and in our fragility. Grant us your spirit, O Lord. In the battle against evil and sin. Grant us your spirit, O Lord. In the search for what is truly good and true joy. Grant us your spirit, O Lord. In the decision to remain in you and in your friendship. Grant us your spirit, O Lord. Should sin oppress us. Open us to hope, O Lord. Should hatred close our hearts. Open us to hope, O Lord. Should sorrow visit us. Open us to hope, O Lord. Should indifference cause us anguish. Open us to hope, O Lord. Should death overwhelm us. Open us to hope, O Lord. Jesus, we ask that you hear all of these prayers. Bring an end to this pandemic. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you all for being here again today. Happy Easter once again. Uh, I hope you're 
eating extra chocolate or doing something fun to celebrate. <laughs>